God, yours is the victory. God, I am free. I'm not in bondage. But the cross has spoken the final word. Dear Heavenly Father, we believe that this morning. We believe that the cross has spoken the final word. Father, we invite you into this place. We invite you into the dark recesses of our heart where sin lurks, where anxiety lurks, where worry lurks, Lord. And we invite you to shine light into those places, Lord. Father, I pray for every person in here who has come with anxiety or who has come in despair, who, who's not believing that you have the power to overcome the situation that they are in, Lord. And I just invite your spirit to speak to them to speak truth over them, to speak joy and love over them like a father speaks to his child. Would we abandon our doubt this morning? We abandon our anxiety, we lay it down, and we pick up hope, love, joy, and peace. Holy Spirit, speak today. Holy Spirit, speak today. Speak into the places that we need to hear you. We trust you. We trust you this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated at this time. Well, I just want to welcome you uh, here this morning to the White Oak Faith family. Uh, My name is James Yandel, and I'm one of the pastors here at this church. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, uh, I just want to say I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so glad that you've chosen uh, to worship the Lord with us on this awesome Sunday. And uh, one of the things that I hope that you recognize very quickly about our church is that we truly are a faith family, that we're just people who are trying to follow Jesus together. And so I really hope that all of your interactions this morning, through the music, through meeting people, through uh, this word that I'm going to give this morning, I really hope that it will help you find God and follow Him no matter where you're at in life. Uh, We're in the middle of a series uh, called Money Matters, Overcoming Obstacles to Generosity. And uh, we've been in this a few weeks, and it's a, a really important series, I think, because I was reflecting this morning on how the fact that none of us gets up in the morning and asks the question, how can I be less generous? Right? No one gets up in the morning and thinks, man, how can I be less generous? How can I make less of an impact on this world? How can I make less of an impact on the people around me? None of us wakes up and asks that question. And yet there are things in our life that can choke the spirit of generosity in us, the spirit that the Lord has put in us to love others and to overflow in love for our church, for the people around us, and for this world, right? There are things that choke that. And last week we kind of talked about how anxiety and doubt are things that choke up uh, generosity in our lives. Next week we're going to be talking about how greed uh, can choke up a spirit of generosity in us. And this week— Uh, We're going to be talking about something that's really near and dear to my heart, and I think it's something that many of us uh, struggle with, or maybe we find a situation in, and that is debt. This morning, I've entitled my sermon, Debt is Beatable. And I want you to say that out loud with me, Debt is Beatable. Okay, I I want you to say it with some conviction, Debt is Beatable. Right? Everything is possible with God. And uh, most of the times, whenever I I write a sermon, I have to make sure that I I, I write enough to talk 
for about 30 minutes, right? I don't have the gift of gab, as many people say, right? So it's hard for me to fill the time. I got everything I say, I make sure it's very uh, structured and all that kind of stuff. But this morning when I was writing about debt, it is a topic that I'm so passionate about that I have very little notes. And so I have a timer to make sure that I don't go over my normal 35 minute span, all right? So I'm really excited about this topic. And for some of you this morning, debt is beatable is the sermon for you. You need to hear that. You need to hear that debt is something that God can overcome in our lives. And God's got biblical principles to help us overcome the financial situations that we find ourselves in. But we also always have to remember that with God, all things are possible. So for some of you this morning who may have come into a situation where you've dug yourself into a hole, or maybe circumstances in your life has gotten you into a situation where you have debt in your life, you need to hear that debt is beatable. And I believe that with all of my heart because that's what the scriptures talk about. God has a great wise words for us in relationship to debt this morning. I was reading an article, uh, it was like an NBC article uh, on credit card debt and the different debts that we take, whether or not it's a mortgage or a student loan or a credit card debt or an auto loan, whatever it is. I was reading this article and I found a pretty surprising statistic that found that one in four Americans expect their debts to outlive them. One in every four Americans expect that their debt is going to outlive them. That's a, that's a state of despair, in, in my opinion, right? If you think that, man, there's no way for me to overcome my debt in this lifetime, then I think that we're in a hard situation, and I want to speak the truth of God into your life this morning. Because when I read that statistic, it just makes me think, man, there are some people who believe that the financial hole that they're in is so deep that only death can help them overcome it, right? That's a tough place to be in. And I think that God offers us much more hope than that statistic. So I don't want you to be someone in here this morning who believes that their financial situation has such deep bondage over them that you're never going to be able to overcome it. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about that this morning. But uh, before we get into talk about our current situation, which I know many people in here are in a situation uh, where they have some debt. Some people maybe have less than $10,000 of debt. Some people may have more than $100,000 of debt. But no matter where you're at this morning, I hope that this message is helpful for you. I'm just here to cheer you on. I'm here to cheer you on. I'm here to help you. And I'm also uh, here to relate to you as someone who has debt and who's trying to overcome this through the biblical help of the Lord. Uh, We're going to be all over the scriptures this morning. And so I'm going to encourage you to open up to Ezekiel uh, chapter 22, verse 12. Uh, We don't have quite a central text this morning, but we're going to be surveying all across the Bible. And uh, if you're someone who's not super comfortable or confident with kind of opening up the Old Testament scriptures, uh, we're going to have a lot of these verses on the screen. I just want you to be able to soak in the truths of scripture. But as you turn there, uh, I'm going to talk about two things that you're going to hear in every sermon on debt from now till the day that you die. There are going to be two things that I guarantee that you hear every sermon uh, whenever you hear a sermon on debt. And if you ever don't hear it, feel free to email me and tell me I didn't hear about these two things. Number one, you're going to hear debt is bad, right? You're going to hear debt is bad, and, and we understand that. Uh, we understand that it's bad. And so that's something that you're going to hear every time that someone gives a sermon on debt. You're also going to hear the name 
Dave Ramsey, right? Every time you hear a sermon on money or on debt, you're going to hear the name Dave Ramsey. And the preacher is going to talk about Dave Ramsey as if he's like the gospel come again, right? And I'm going to be here this morning and say, man, he's got some really good stuff. I'm using Dave Ramsey's program. But I'm also going to criticize something that he does, which is not something you typically hear in sermons. So stay tuned. Later on in my sermon, I'm going to criticize something that Dave Ramsey does. So you got to pay attention toward the end, right? So those are two things that you hear in every sermon on debt. But there's something that you don't often hear in sermons on debt. We always think about uh, us as borrowers. But as I was researching for this sermon, I actually found that God talks a lot not just to borrowers of money, but to people who lend money. And there are a lot of verses on people who lend money. In Ezekiel chapter 22, this is a prophet of the Lord in Old Testament Israel, and he's living in a time uh, where the people of Israel, the people of God, have gone astray from the Lord. It's a very corrupt society. It's a very violent society. There's a lot of bad things happening in Ezekiel's day. And so Ezekiel, speaking for the Lord, is speaking essentially to the rich of Ezekiel's day. This is what he says. You take interest and make a profit from the poor. You extort unjust gain from your neighbors, and you have forgotten me, declares the Lord. This morning, before we even talk about our situation, I believe that God rebukes a culture that funnels people into debt. I believe that God rebukes a culture that funnels people into debt. Think about God's heart. God has a generous heart. Right? Everything God does is an overflow of love for His glory and for our good. So think about the fact that He created the world, a free gift to us. He created humans. We exist. He says, come enjoy the world that I created. And then we broke it. Right? We broke the world. We broke ourselves. And then God, in an overflow of generosity, says, I'm going to send you my son to pay a debt that you created through your sin. And I'm going to send him to die for your sins so that you can live an abundant life. And even in the Christian life, God says everything works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Everything that God does veers toward freedom, toward generosity. And yet the culture that Ezekiel was living in was a culture in which the rich, the people with means, were taking advantage of those without. I think there's a lot of similarities to our culture, don't you think? You know the phrase, America runs on Duncan? I've never really heard that phrase before because I'm a Shipley's kind of guy, but I, I heard a commercial the other day, and it was America runs on Duncan. America runs on debt, right? America runs on debt. The governments and trillions of dollars of debt, so they're not a great example to us. Um, you ever notice how every single company out there, every company, every brand, every store, has their own credit card these days. You ever notice that? Right? Every store you go into has their own line of credit. Why is that? Because it's big business. Right? Lending money is big business in our day. And I'm not saying that every company or every brand that, that, that has a credit card is evil, but what I'm saying is that they are making a profit off of us. So we have to understand what's going on behind the scenes. Anytime we take out a line of credit, essentially we become the product. And and that's the culture that we're living in. I think that people and companies that profit off the poor or make their terms confusing whenever we borrow money are committing evil. 
That's what Ezekiel is saying. There are people who are taking advantage of situations that people are in, and God rebukes that because that's not God's heart. Let me give you an example. Uh, They're getting a little better these days because of some government regulations, but whenever you take money out on a credit card, there's a minimum balance, right? It's a minimum balance that you have to pay, and and typically it's not that high. Back in the day, they could do that, and you could pay the minimum balance, and they don't tell you that if you only pay the minimum balance, you're never going to pay that thing off, right? You're just going to pay a little bit, a little bit, but the interest rate adds interest onto it, and so you end up in a situation where you're paying thousands more than you actually took out. Right, so this is what credit card companies are doing. And these days, uh, I think through government regulations, they're trying to be a little bit more clear about what exactly you're getting yourself into. But I think that people, companies, are taking advantage of people who don't understand the situation they're getting into. Let me give you another big example for every millennial. Student loans. Student loans are a huge profitable industry for people like Sally Mae and some of these other companies. And the typical student loan is 10-year repayment plan, right? It's a 10-year repayment plan. At the end of 10 years, you'll pay it off, but obviously there are thousands of dollars of interest in that. But they also have some other plans, right? There's not just a standard 10-year plan. There's also something called the income-based repayment plan, right? The IBR. You ever heard of this before? Some people have heard of that before, okay? Uh, The good thing about that is the, the reason that it's so alluring is that the IBR plan takes your minimum payment from like 600 a month, depending on how big it is, to like $100 a month. And so these students are thinking, yeah, woohoo, $100 a month. I can handle that, right? But they don't tell you that when you do that, it takes your 10-year loan and it makes it into a 20-year loan or a 30-year loan. You have something happening today that's never happened really in the history of America. You have people in retirement who still have student loans. And I think the system was never meant to be designed that way. So I believe that God's rebuking a culture that drives us into debt. God's heart is freedom. See, God's the only one who ever tells us the truth about things. When you watch a commercial for maybe taking out a car loan or a credit card, whatever it is, what do they always say? Zero down. Zero down is an amazingly seductive phrase, right? But they don't tell you that zero down means pay more later. God's the only one who calls debt what it is, bondage. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, uh, feel free to open there with me. This is kind of a quintessential verse for this morning. Uh, and Proverbs are just godly wisdom um, about how to live life and on all different topics of life. And this is what uh, Proverbs says about borrowing and lending. He says, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Man, when you enter into an agreement where you borrow money, you take on a form of bondage. And you know this, right? Because when you have debt, depending on how big it is, it controls the decisions that you make. What you can buy, what you can't buy, how much you can give, what you can't give, whether or not you go on vacation that year, whether you can't go on vacation that year. Essentially, your lenders become, in a sense, slave masters because they control what you can and cannot do. It makes it harder for us to follow the Spirit, right, when we have debt because we have these obligations that we have to cover, things that we took out and that we have to repay. 
Remember, God's heart is freedom. The Bible says that we had a debt because of our sin, and Jesus paid that debt. Which, hallelujah, right? Man, we are so worried these days about our financial situation that we forget that we were in a state of spiritual debt before the Lord. And the cost of that debt was our soul, right? And so Jesus has freed us. He's made us into completely free people in the Spirit. And we are totally free as far as our spiritual lives is concerned. And so we live and celebrate in that reality. And yet the reality is is that we still have some bondage when it comes to our finances. And so I love how God it loves us enough to be honest with us and say, hey man, debt is bondage in a sense. I think whenever you hear a sermon on um, debt, I think one of the main questions that people ask is, is debt sin? Right? Is debt a sin? I, I was doing some research for the sermon and I found that um, one of the most popular Google searches by Christians is the question, is debt a sin? And uh, I want to tell you this morning that I believe when it comes to borrowing money or taking out a loan, it's more of a wisdom issue than a sin issue. You know what I mean by that? It's more of a wisdom issue than a sin issue. I think instead of asking the question, is it sinful, we should ask, is it wise? Proverbs chapter 21 verse 20 says, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. And so there's a way to live and to use our money that that reflects wisdom. And there's a way to use our money and to live that reflects a foolish mindset. And God invites us to think wisely about why we're getting into debt. And so we're going to speak for a moment uh, in a little while about us who are in debt and what we do about that. But for right now, I want to talk about what about taking out debt? What if you're in a situation where you're considering taking out debt? I think those scripture calls for us to be wise. Why are we taking it out? Why do we need the money right now? Is it for maybe a good investment like a house that we can afford? Or is it because we want this car now and we didn't save up for it? Right? So God invites us to think wisely about the decisions that we're making. He invites us to pray. He invites us to go to the scriptures. He invites us to get godly counsel about the ways that we're using our money. So I think a better question as opposed to is it sinful is is it wise? Number two, taking out a loan may be, may be an indicator that we're not content in who we are in Christ. Right? So here you may be rubbing up against a sin issue. Hebrews chapter 13, the writer says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So we have to remember that we have everything we need in life through Jesus Christ. We don't need anything fancy. We don't need anything big. Everything we have is in Jesus Christ, for he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So we have to consider, am I taking out this loan because of some discontent in my heart with my present circumstances or with my possessions or where I'm at in life? Let me give you an example where the Lord kind of rebuked me uh, a couple of weeks ago. I've been kind of complaining about my car. Uh, It's not a super bad car. It's a 2011 Honda Civic, uh, but it's a coupe. And, uh, you know, it's a really rough ride. I've never driven a Civic before. And so it's really rough. It's like you feel every pebble on the road. And so I'm prone to kind of complaining about my car. And uh, the other day, Sarah was out of town and her car was in the shop for, uh, I think the tire had blown out or something like that. And so I had to go pick it up. 
And uh, it was in the middle of the day, and I realized I couldn't take my car and pick up that one, right? Just that logically, you just can't do that. And I was going to ask someone, but it was in the middle of the day, so I decided not to do that. But I still needed to pick it up. So I had this bright idea where I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a bus. And uh, I'll just be honest with you. I've never, uh, there's never been a time in my life where I, I've never had a car, right? I've always had a car from high school until now. I've always had a car. I've never thought about that. And yet that day I was like, you know what, I'm going to try to ride the bus. And so little old me who's never done it before, I go on Google and I'd say, how do you take a Houston Metro bus? That's exactly what I, I Googled, right? And so I was like, how do I take the bus? I was like, do I need a card? I, I had no idea. And so I realized you can pay cash on the bus, right? And so I, I had some cash. And so I looked online to the nearest bus station to my house and uh, I began to walk. And I didn't realize it was about a 25-minute walk from my apartment to that. It was in like the heat of the day. I had a water bottle and I finished that about a third of the way through, right? Man, it was tough. It was tough walking that distance, man. I, I, my Apple Watch was like just circling those activity rings, right? I, I definitely beat it that day. But anyway, I was walking and I get there. And it's one of those classic scenes, you know, where the bus is kind of a little ahead of you. So you got to jog and kind of get to them, you know. So I, I get on and I figure out where you actually put the money. So I do that. I go sit down. And I'm like looking around. I'm like, okay, I made it. And I look around and there's some other people on the bus, and this thought popped into my mind where I believe it was the Holy Spirit. We said, this is the way that these people get to work and back every day. Every day they do this. And I had this convicting thought where I've never been without a car. I've never always liked my car. I've never always had a great car, but I've always had a car. And the Lord reminded me to be grateful for what I have. As a side note to that story, I didn't know how you stop him uh, to, when you get to your stop. I didn't know how to do that. <laughs> Just being honest this morning, I didn't know how to do that. And so I, I, I wanted to ask the people beside me, but I had way too much pride to ask them. And so I had to, I had to repent of that as well. It was, very, it was a day of repentance for me. And um, I Googled it. I finally realized there's buttons you can press, and uh, that notifies the driver, and he stops at the next stop. So if you ever need to take the bus in Houston, that's the way that it works, all right? So just uh, a good story for you guys. But the Lord reminded me, we're called to be content with what we have and the circumstances that we're in. But the Lord also invites us to, to be slow to getting into debt obligations because debt makes rest difficult, doesn't it? Man, when you're in a situation where you have debt, man, you lose some sleep at night, don't you? I remember that's, that's how I was um, when, when I started taking account of the debt that my wife and I had. I began to lose sleep over the fact that, man, like, we have this debt. How are we going to pay it? The number seems so large. All those different things. And so God would spare us from that. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 26 through 27 says, Be not one of those who gives pledges, who puts up security for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? Right? So you get in these situations where you take out money, and there's a chance that if you don't pay on time, they're going to take something back. Right? They're going to garnish your wage. They're going to do whatever it is to get their money. Right? So God would spare us of that. He says, debt makes rest difficult. And then lastly, debt makes generosity difficult, doesn't it? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. And sometimes you get in situations where you have debt and you begin to not have a mindset of abundance like God's always going to pr provide, but you begin to have a mindset of lack. 
right? You have a debtor's mindset that says, man, I don't have enough. I don't have enough to pay my bills. I don't have enough to to live on. How am I going to have enough to give to others? So you develop this debtor's mindset in your mind, when in reality, the Scripture says we're always going to be taken care of. uh, We're always going to be provided for by the Lord. And yet debt lies to us. And it says, man, you can't be generous in this season of your life because you got debt. And we're going to talk a little bit how to overcome that. In Psalm chapter 37, starting in verse 1, it says, The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. And so if you're like me and you're in a situation where you have some debt, no matter what kind of debt it is, the Bible says that it honors the Lord to pay it down. It honors the Lord to pay it off. You know why? Because Christians are people of their word. Right? We are people of our word. And so if we take out a loan obligation, it honors the Lord for us to pay it down. So we're people who address it and people who try to pay it down. So this morning, uh, I got to tell you, this is not a judging kind of sermon because I'm right there with you. I'm here to cheer you on. Right? I want to cheer you on in your current financial situation. And I want to remind you that the Lord blesses us when we obey Him. The Lord blesses us when we obey Him obey him. And I want to say this morning, if you are in debt, you have an opportunity that our friends in here who aren't in debt don't have. Now your ears are perking up a little bit, right? If you're in debt this morning, you have an opportunity that people who aren't in debt don't have. And let me tell you what it is. And I'm going to tell you why that's really awesome. I believe that paying down debt is an amazing opportunity to build perseverance and generosity in our life. And before you groan and roll your eyes, let me tell you why that's really amazing, right? God wants us to be generous people who persevere in this life. And I cannot think of anything better to build character and perseverance over the long call in our life than paying down debt. Because debt typically isn't something that we can pay down in a month or two months. It's typically something that takes many months or maybe a few years to pay down. And in that process, God can do something amazing in us. I was reflecting how I I believe that commitment over the long term is always profitable. Think about any time you've entered into a situation where you've stuck with something over the long haul. Typically, a lot of good things come from that. Right? Maybe a marriage, right? You're in marriage and you stick with the marriage over the course of 15, 20 years. A lot of great things come out of that commitment to that marriage. Even for school, right? You go to school for four years, maybe more. If you have a more specialized degree, you get to have the job of your dreams sometimes, right? And so you make this commitment to it. And at the end of it, something good comes out of it. And I think the same thing comes with debt payment. As we're paying down debt, we're building steadfastness in our life. James chapter 1, verse 4, it says, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And everything that's worthwhile takes time. And paying down debt is definitely worthwhile. Let me give you just a quick example from uh, my, my marriage with Sarah and kind of our life and our story. Uh, so we have some debt in our marriage, and uh, at, the be- at the beginning of our marriage, it was very difficult as we kind of tried to figure out what does it look, for, look like for us to pay this down, and sometimes we're not on the same page, and if, if you have a spouse, you, you know that sometimes financial situations or conversations are not always the best or the most pleasant, right? But you work through those things and your love and commitment to one another, and through our commitment to paying down debt, we've been able to take a 
six-figure debt, nearly six-figure debt, and cut it in half over the past year and a half, right? So we've been able to do that. And, and it doesn't feel, it feels like the pace that we're taking is like so slow. And yet little by little, the Lord has been faithful. And you know the amazing thing about that is even as we made this commitment, it doesn't feel like our quality of life has gone down at all. Like, honestly, it does not feel like our quality of life has gone down at all. Sometimes it feels like when you make a commitment to get financially secure, whatever it is, pay down debt, it feels like you're going to have to make a lot of sacrifices. And we have, but we still eat out from time to time. We still have some personal money. I mean, it, it, it just works out. The Lord provides. And so I think even as we're doing this, He's building in us character as we go along. And then secondly, I think it builds generosity. There's a biblical maxim that says, if we are generous with a little, we'll be generous with a lot. If we're faithful with a little, we'll be faithful with a lot. See, there's this lie that money brings that always tells us we never have enough of it, right? No matter how much money you have in this room, from the person who has the least amount of money in this room to the person who has the most amount of money in this room, you never think you have enough, You never think you have enough. That's what money does. It always wants you to have more. And so there comes this lie in relationship to generosity, especially as we think about rough financial situations that says, you know what, when I get my house in order, when I get my situation in order, then I can be generous. Here's the secret. You're never going to feel like it's in order. You're never going to feel like your finances are in order. You're always going to feel like there's not enough. Right? Because as you grow or start a family, there's going to be other obligations. There's always obligations to our resources and talent and money. And I believe that the Lord wants us to develop a mindset of generosity, even when we have a little bit, because in that, we'll be generous when we have a lot. That's where we develop it. Generosity is developed in the valley, right? Not on the mountaintop. Let me give you an example of that. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. This is uh, one of our key texts this morning. Uh, it should be on the screen behind me. This is a story of Jesus uh, and kind of how he comments on a particular uh, financial situation in someone's life in relationship to their generosity. And I'm going to go ahead and read it here. It says, And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. So if you remember, uh, this is Israel. They have a temple, and Jesus is watching people support the ministry of the temple, much like we do today in in, in support of the ministry of the church, right? So Jesus is watching this. And Mark says, many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came in and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had all she had to live on. I think Jesus is testifying to a point here that big generosity does not require big giving. Jesus does not link generosity to the amount that we give to the people around us or to the ministry of the church. I want you to notice something. Mark, who's the writer of this gospel, who many scholars believe worked with Peter to to kind of write the gospel because Peter was more of an eyewitness to the events. And so Mark is writing this, and Mark points out something. Right? This is what he points out. Many rich people put in large sums. That impressed Mark. 
right? That was impressive to Mark. Look at all this money that people are contributing to the work of the temple. And we still do that today, right? When there's a celebrity who gives millions and millions of dollars to some fund or to some charity, we're like, oh, wow. Well, millions of dollars to the charity, right? That, that's newsworthy. We share that on Facebook. We think, man, they're so generous. Look what Jesus does. Jesus points out the exact opposite. Jesus pointed out the smallest offering, not the biggest. Right? So Jesus is watching, and Mark's like, wow, I'm going to make note of this. Rich people are putting in a lot of money. And Jesus says, Oh, whoa, disciples, come here, come here. I got a lesson for you guys. Look at this, right? It's noteworthy. Look at this woman in her generosity. She's not giving out of abundance. She's giving, in a sense, out of lack. And so it's a good reminder in here for us this morning that generosity is not circumstantial. Generosity comes from the heart. Generosity comes out of heart of trust in the Lord and sharing, even if it's small. Generosity transcends circumstances. And what I love about this story is that God, through his sovereignty, allowed it to be included in the Scripture so that every time we read the Bible, we come across this widow and her generosity. All the world is talking about the celebrities and all that they give, and Jesus wants us to remember for all time this woman who gave in generosity. Big generosity does not require big giving. And so if you're in a circumstance this morning, uh, like me, uh, where you have debt or maybe your financial state isn't in order, uh, I think that we still are called to be generous givers to the people around us. And that may not be as much as the person next to us, but God sees it and God blesses that. I, I remember there's a time in my life when I was younger, I didn't have much money, but I still wanted to make an impact on the world. And I remember I'd, I'd put a dollar in the offering plate and I'd give like $5 to the homeless guy on the street. I just remember those acts of kindness were very powerful to me. And I believe that the Lord saw those and that the Lord blessed those. And so we want to be people who contribute, whether it's out of abundance or out of lack, because we trust the Lord. All right, let's get practical for a second. This is one of my favorite parts. Uh, I'm in debt. Now what? It's my phrase this morning. I'm in debt. Now what? So we're going to get a little practical. Uh, now that we've said it's good for us to be paying down our debt, it's good for us to recognize that, that we're people of our word and that God will help us as we do this. Sometimes he'll provide supernaturally. Sometimes he'll provide naturally, as we've learned last week. But the first uh, of my steps for getting out of debt is figure out how much you owe. Figure out how much you owe. This is a huge mental barrier that comes to actually paying down debt, right? Because we've got a lot of different debts and we're afraid to face the number. I know that I've been in that situation in my life. I'm afraid to face the number. And I put here as a subpoint: Christians can face the truth without fear. Christians can face the truth without fear. The truth shall set you free, right? Truth, light, um, honesty. This is what the Lord desires for us. And so no matter what that number is, when you add it all up, figure out how much you owe. Be honest with yourself, and then the Lord can begin to work. But He can only do that if we're honest. Number two, create a budget. And I put it in parentheses with your spouse, because uh, I can just testify that if you make a budget without your spouse, it won't work. Um, so you got to make it with your spouse. Um, work together to figure out what's important to both of you. Figure out how that works together because there are some things that 
you know, for me, it's like I, I put like zero money in groceries because I don't do the groceries. I don't think about groceries, right? So for me, I'm all, all of my money is tied up in other things. And so it's like, you know, we got to eat. We got to have some money in our grocery budget, right? So work it with your spouse. And uh, the amazing thing is that, man, you think that a budget is going to make you feel constricted when in reality, a budget, honestly, for me, has made me feel like I've had more money than I had before I had a budget. And it's amazing how that works. And I think part of it is because we can spend money without guilt. We know that we have X amount in our grocery. We know that we have X amount in our personal. And it's been really a positive kind of psychological thing in our lives as we've realized, man, once we have this in place, uh, we can really work through and achieve the things that we want to achieve, right? So I recommend using Every Dollar, uh, which is a, a free app on Android and um, an iPhone, and it just allows you to track a budget, and as you spend things, you can kind of put that in there. So I encourage anyone uh, who's on a debt-free journey to use the Every Dollar app. It's really powerful. It's a great resource for us to use. Number three, um, like I said, you can't mention a, a sermon on debt without Dave Ramsey's. Number, number three, uh, Dave Ramsey's Baby Steps. If you've never heard of those before, um, then welcome to America. But uh, you can go to uh, Google and you can just type that in, Dave Ramsey Baby Steps, and he's got some really good advice on there. But here's the thing that I don't like what Dave Ramsey does, all right? So this is, I'm going on record for this. If you've ever gone to Dave Ramsey's Instagram page, has anyone ever done that before? Go on to Dave Ramsey's Instagram page. Okay, one person in here has done it. Good. So don't do it uh, now. All right, this is what happens with Dave, or Dave Ramsey's Instagram page. You go on there, you start following it, and he's got stories of people who paid down their debt. And it sounds encouraging, right? It sounds inspiring when you, when you read those stories. But the kind of people that he has on there are like two 30-something neurosurgeons who like had... $100,000 worth of debt and paid it off in like six months or something like that, right? The numbers, you start adding the numbers and you're like, man, how did they pay down $14,000 of debt every month? I'm like, oh my goodness, that's more than like half a year for me or whatever, right? So I don't encourage you to follow his Instagram page. That's my personal pet peeve about it. I wish he would give like realistic stories of people who paid maybe like $20,000 in a year or something like that. I'm like, I can, I can hang with that. I can do that, right? I can give uh, 800 or 1,000 or something a month. I can sacrifice and make that happen. So don't follow his Instagram page. But the baby steps are really awesome. So I encourage you to look those up. We're on baby step number two right now. And, and we've made progress. Like I said, it does work with a commitment to it. And then number four, um, it's kind of my step number four. Don't forget to live and to give. And I put here underneath, there's more to life than budgets and spreadsheets. There's more to life than budgets and spreadsheets. And, and I think sometimes if you're like me, you're so wired to think about the bottom line that you forget that God called us to live our life. Uh, God's called us to give even when sometimes it, it doesn't make the most financial sense because we are spirit-filled and spirit-led people. And so I'm just always reminded, even by Sarah, that, that we need to live our life as well, that God's given us a world to enjoy. So obviously we need to live within our means, but life isn't just about the bottom line of our financial situation. So it's always good to keep that in mind. Ultimately, we're called to glorify God and to follow the Spirit wherever He takes us. So as we draw to a close, I just have uh, some questions for reflection for you guys. And uh, this is something for you personally, not for uh, your spouse, unless you want to talk about it with your spouse. But these are things for you, kind of a heart diagnostic test between you and the Lord this morning. And the first of those questions is, am I taking my debt seriously? 
right? How seriously am I taking my debt? Because sometimes I, I, I feel like we don't want to think about it. We put our head in the sand. We don't want to address it. We don't want to be honest about where we're at. And so I encourage you this morning to, to ask yourself the question, how seriously am I taking my debt, right? A, a, am I being honest about it? Do I recognize that it glorifies God for me to pay it down and it doesn't glorify God for me to not pay back what I owe, no matter how long it takes? How seriously am I taking my debt? Number two, am I using my debt as an excuse to avoid generosity? Um, Like I said, generosity does not depend on circumstances because generosity is born out of a heart that loves the Lord and that loves people around us. And when you begin to disentangle this idea that big generosity requires big giving, you can begin to see that no matter where you're at in life, you have resources that you can share with the people around you. There's always someone less fortunate. There's always someone in more need. And God provides for us in part so that we can be an avenue of grace to other people, an avenue of provision. For me, one of the biggest motivators to get out of debt is that I can continue on in a lifestyle of generosity. Because I want to be like my dad. I want to be like God, right? I want to be just like him. So am I using my debt as an excuse to avoid generosity? And the number three, really important one, is my self-worth tied to my financial situation or to Jesus? Is my self-worth tied to my financial situation or to Jesus? To go back to that statistic at the beginning where one in four people um, think that their debt's going to outlive them, the good news is is that we ain't taking our debt with us. (laughs) The debt has been paid. So ultimately in this life, our worth is not found in a bank account. It's found in Christ. Our value to this body, our value to the world It's not how much or how little we can give or to contribute, but how much Christ has done that for us. It's especially true if you're a saver like me, if you're someone who's always about the bottom line. It's good to remember that how much God loves you is not tied to how good or bad you're doing that week in relationship to your budget, that it's constant. I think when we do this, When we pay down our debts, when we honor the Lord, I think he's glorified that he sees that, he blesses that long-term commitment. Put here, I think your marriage is strengthened when you work together on this goal, side by side. I think marriages get strengthened. And lastly, I think opportunities for generosity begin to expand as we pay down our debt. It's a good thing for us to do, and I just, I want to be with you guys, cheer you on. We have a lot of resources in our church, a lot of people who are really uh, great with finances and can really help you through those things. And so if you're ever in a situation where you feel like you need help, we want to be here for you. You can just email us, reach out to us. We want to walk with you because we believe that the gospel speaks to every part of life, not just your spiritual part of your life, but every single part of your life. God wants to bring hope, light, enjoy. So let's go before him this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the cross first and foremost. We thank you so much for providing um, 
and paying for the debt that we owed because of our sin. We don't want to take that lightly, Lord. We don't want to think that some physical number is more important than that reality. So we bless you this morning, Lord. We bless you for dying for us. And I pray for every person here, Lord, no matter what their debt situation is, I pray that we would be people of hope, that we would be people who trust you to provide for us, and that even as we do that, that we would persevere in doing what is right, and that we would also persevere in being generous and good toward the people around us. We love you, Lord. We acknowledge you this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.